the whole idea of the blossoming pregnant lady is, is so false and so many of my friends have not felt blossoming at all but to your point of your brilliant podcast idea they've posted pictures of themselves looking blooming but a lot of us don't bloom and so I had huge disappointment because I wasn't blooming and then I had the baby and then I still wasn't blooming and I was getting worse and worse and reality was not stacking up to what I had in my head and then yeah just ended up in hospital it got that bad. Hello you're listening to Truthbook with me Catherine Smith a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected sharing real stories about family life. You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you be empowered by other people's words and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. Here I am chatting to Susie, a friend and fellow podcaster. Like my audio on this occasion, we talk about how you don't get it right every time and life is about trial and error. And I made a promise to Susie when we're back in our homeland. So I'm introducing Susie, who became a friend when we met on a ski holiday and threw ourselves straight into honest conversations about mental health, as well as down the ski slopes. Susie is an acclaimed writer, speaker, performer, podcaster. She is the woman behind Big Juicy Creative Podcast, author of Wondering Woman, a true story of one struggling mum's search for inner superhero, and writes for Psychology's magazine amongst many other things. She's also mum to Torin, who's nine, and Toby, who's 12, and married to Phil, who's a Mai Tai fighter. Maybe not Susie's favourite sport to watch, but she'll take the six pack that goes with it. She is an everything outdoor lover and has the locks and hills on her doorstep living in the Cairngorms in Scotland. Meeting Susie is like opening a big craft box there's loads going on and you can't help but feel excited and inspired so welcome to Toothpick Susie what a lovely thing to say gosh I hardly recognize myself but wow yeah it's a glad you your introduction I'd like to start by asking because you've just launched your podcast at the time of us recording literally but how have you managed your big juicy creativeness and becoming a parent because being creative and becoming a parent don't always go hand in hand yes and I think the the straight honest answer is I didn't manage it very well at all so we're just going to go straight in with the truth book stuff straight into the brutal honesty so basically I had Toby uh, 12 years ago and within three months I was in a mother and baby unit so that's pretty indicative of how much of a struggle it was. And obviously, I've been on a huge transformative journey, as they say, uh, since then. Um, that, was, that was with postnatal depression. That was severe postnatal depression. But to be honest, it was antenatal as well. Something that's not talked about much is antenatal depression is very common. Like idea of the blossoming pregnant lady is is so false and so many of my friends have not felt blossoming at all but to your point of your brilliant podcast idea they've posted pictures of themselves looking blooming but a lot of us don't bloom and so I had huge disappointment because I wasn't blooming and then I had the baby and then I still wasn't blooming and I was getting worse and worse and reality was not stacking up to what I had in my head and then yeah just ended up in hospital it got that bad and also to your point about your podcast I think it's so important to talk about these things because one of the reasons I ended up there was I had this really misguided idea of what it was 
supposed to be like, what it was going to be like. And in trying to hit that perfect Instagram moment, you know, which I was miserably failing at. I mean, a hospital is not a great place for a, a selfie. I didn't take any. <laughs> but I think what was at the absolute core of my unhappiness then was I completely lost my connection with myself in a sea of other people's expectations. And I drowned for a while to keep the analogy going, but I've resurfaced and my life is genuinely awesome. I mean, if anybody's out there listening to this and they're going through a really, really tough time, all I can say is those experiences, my worst experiences have actually got me to where I am now, which is living a life that I absolutely love. That's not to say I don't still have days which are utterly rubbish and I get low or get anxious or I hate the world or I scream at my kids. I still have all of that. You're never going to get rid of that. But because of those terrible experiences and my struggle with motherhood at the beginning, I now have carved out a life that I absolutely loved. And I really genuinely believe without those rubbish experiences that we never put on social media, maybe we should, without those rubbish experiences, I would not be here talking to you having just launched my podcast yesterday. Absolutely. You're a living example of we do experience suffering. Life is about suffering. It's not always about attaining the happiness. Actually, it sounds like you've really grown from what was a horrendous and awful experience, but you've bounced back from that. And creativity, I think, has been a saviour for Absolutely you. central. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I tried everything. And really, it sounds so melodramatic to say it, but my podcast is all about creativity. And I don't mean just getting out the pens and pencils and drawing or writing like I do. I mean a creative mindset. I mean, it's so easy in life to just take those neuropathways that are well-trodden in our minds, like just go down them, the ones that are well-worn. It's so much harder to come off those and go down the, the little goat track I always remember one therapist I had brilliant therapist used to talk about the goat track take the goat track I know it's not very well worn at the moment but just take that goat goat track and that is always stuck with me as the route to creativity that is what creativity is it's coming out of autopilot it's coming out with something original from you but what it comes to is that self-connection so for me, I mean, you've talked about identity in the past and how this period of not working has really messed with your own identity. Now, obviously, being in hospital and not being able to work messes with your identity big time. Becoming a mum messes with your own identity. And I think what happened to me and maybe what happens to a lot of people is you lose that connection with yourself. And when you lose that, your identity then does flounder. And what creativity did for me, I mean, writing is my go-to. So I now get up every morning and I do morning pages, which is from the book, The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron, fantastic book. She encourages you as soon as you wake up to do three pages. I don't know if you can swear on this podcast, but usually a lot of it that comes out <laughs> is rubbish for the first bit. And then you get onto the good stuff. So it's almost like you work through the inevitable voices in your head Till you get to the good stuff and if you start your day that way you kind of work through those voices that plague you and I just find the richness that comes out and the connection with myself I keep banging on about this but it's so important that knowing your own mind especially in this world where we're bombarded by other people's opinions the it's, whole time 
it's quite a contrast, isn't it, to maybe a typical morning where you might reach over and check your phone and go onto Facebook. Oh, I still do that. Just trying whatever is your tonic, but even just having that two minutes of mindfulness before you launch into even two minutes, even two minutes of writing. Mm. And sometimes I do. I only do two minutes. And I'm sitting here at my desk. I'm absolutely surrounded by post-it notes. They are everywhere. It's like I'm so messy. And um, sometimes I just write thoughts on a post-it note and having them out head and onto yeah into the world it helps that takes the power of those words away doesn't it because you can get so caught up in them and they can become and feel real and you've experienced that you you ended up in hospital you were so consumed by your thoughts absolutely just putting them on a post-it note it takes the sting out of them when you realize well this is these are just words what's been the most recent photo that you've shared with friends or family on social media that has captured one of those positive moments that has a behind the scenes it's not a recent one but I was thinking the most appropriate one given that we met skiing I live in the amazing Cairngorms of Scotland and we are really lucky to have skiing sometimes so I live in an area I can literally look out my window and see the school where my boys go I can pick them up from school and I can dash up the mountain and after school, they can get an hour of skiing if the conditions are good. So I, I think I, I've seen these photos and I have definitely yeah. had <laughs> pangs of, oh, that looks amazing. I'm really happy for you. Oh, that's just yes, exactly. <laughs> also so, full of envy. So these, <laughs> these, these are amazing. like the pinnacle. These are like picture perfect photos. The sun's out. We've got a great day. We are up there after school. And what you don't see is the huge trauma I'd say that goes into to that moment happening so me going to school I've literally got to finish work a bit early I've got to get all the kids stuff so I've got to get their salpets their goggles everything to make it easy a snack I've got to have sweets I've got to have all this stuff I've got to pick them up and then it's military position I've got to rush them up the mountain inevitably they're both like oh mom do we have to go skiing I mean we're really tired we've been at school all day and I'm literally like what you live in an amazing area do you know some kids would bite their right arm off to have this life you're a little brat we're going so I literally shove the little one particularly into the car shut the door put the locks on and I drive like a maniac up the mountains get you are going skiing (laughs) you are i am getting that photo we are because i cannot live with not getting that photo on a sunny day in the cairngorms when you can actually ski so yeah i think that makes me laugh because and to be fair on me i do usually caveat it i put an amazing picture up i realize that people out there will see it and go oh because you do you're divided when you see those pictures really divided and so i always say by the way what you didn't see and I'm pretty honest about that because I know how rubbish it does feel like to see a picture that you're not having that moment and that's why I think it's really important to say this is like literally a snapshot we're happy now but the pain that went into this moment was huge and it's already hugely reassuring to hear because yeah have very similar well, experiences. Met my, my younger son so <laughs> you can imagine that scene but you know the, fo- the photos do genuinely capture that happy moment that moment that yes. moment but again linking back to what we were just saying at the very beginning that you you go through difficulties and stress to get 
to that point. And life would just be pretty boring if we just went the easy option and thought, well, that's going to be too hard. And and I'm sorry if I mess with the order of your podcast here, but you were talking about what we need to talk about more. Uh And that's exactly that point. I think what we're not getting across on social media and in society at the moment is we're so obsessed on portraying this perfect life. Hang on a minute. If you are there living a perfect life and everything's great, I'm sorry, but I don't want that life because you're not growing. You're not learning. You haven't got any nuance. And if you stay in like five star hotels every night, and I have some friends that are lucky enough to do this, that actually gets boring. You know, I would love to have the opportunity to get bored because that's not a thing that, that is really something we do in our family, really. But my point is, if everything is always up there and you don't have the nuance of down there, then you don't get the huge joy there's an amazing quote by Cahill Gibran I'm not going to remember but something about the the sorrow carving out so that the the lower you carve the sorrow that the bigger it is or something something I'm going to totally mess that up so maybe put that in your show notes always finding the hidden good and bad bad experiences lead to good experiences lead to bad experiences lead to good experiences that's just life that's like as um, another person I love John Kabat-Zinn mindfulness guru he wrote a book called the full catastrophe more of a bible living. isn't it it's, it's a pretty thick yes. book i think i got half it's massive i think my husband yeah. made me I, I used to have all his books like five massive tomes and i think my husband mm-hmm. took them to the secondhand shop because he i know it's awful i still feel upset that quote actually comes from zorba the greek and it comes from this part where a man is talking about his life and whether he's asked whether he's married and he says yes i have the full catastrophe <laughs> wife and kids yes and it's like this acknowledgement that it is a bit of a catastrophe like you know it's not perfect so why are we pretending on social media is i almost think like that should be you know if somebody's constantly living a perfect life you should be like oh well per you you know it must be really you know you're really missing something. The other thing that I think that extends to is we want our kids to be good all the time and we want them to be, you know, looking good in photos and smiling and always compliant. Actually, if you have a compliant child all the time, yes, that's great as a parent, fantastic, but you don't want that psychologically. You don't want that. You want them to challenge you because it's healthy. And what I hate, particularly because I have particular challenges with my younger child, is this idea that there's bad and good kids. It just drives me absolutely nuts because, mm. and I fall into it sometimes when you ask me about my bad parenting moment, it relates to Well, I was to just that. about to say, while we're on that, what are your worst parenting moments? So my because... worst one is very related to this idea. I literally mm. happened two days ago, um, I got an email from the headmistress of our school. And it said, no, actually I got two emails. So the first one was, we are bringing in a new code of behavior at our school because we want the kids to know how they're expected to behave and here is what is expected. So I read that email. Ping, next email. Hello, Mrs. Howarth. We need to talk about your son's behavior, basically. So the two emails near it by, and it was something to do with instance at school. I was just about to launch my podcast and I was like, ah. I can't, I really can't be doing with this. And my first reaction, my bad sort of parenting moment was instantly to go, oh God, what's he done now? I can't be doing with this. I've got too much on my plate. This is so annoying. Um, Is he being a brat? So that's my first process. And I didn't luckily say all of that to him, but I did say some of it to him. Whereas in contrast, my husband's first thought when he gets that is, 
oh, I wonder what, make, what is making Torrent unhappy and I wonder what we can do to help. And instantly got his back. And so because uh, my husband knew how important the podcast was to me, he was like, Susie, I'll handle this. And he went into school and dealt with it. But it made me reflect and it made me your other question on your brief was delving into why do you think this was such a bad moment? Why did it feel so bad? And I totally know that question because I've had so much therapy, I can tell you. And it's basically, <laughs> even though I have, <laughs> I, have, I have this therapy, I identify patterns and I'm still powerless to change them sometimes, but I recognize that. What, and so before I could stop it and fully reflect on it, which I did in my journal the next day, mm. was, oh, that was all about me. And it's not, it's about what I'm trying to work on is recognize that quicker so I don't react to him so quickly. But he's so good at pressing my buttons that I often, there's a lag. So what I do now is I just have that moment, have that really crap parenting moment. And then I'll go into what's him and say, I'm really sorry, Torin. I reacted. I said some things I'm not proud of. I'm sorry. That's because. I wasn't feeling good and of course I've got your back and of course I'll go into school and I love you and I'm there for you and this is something we need to sort out but clearly you've also got to say which is a bit I struggle with is um Torin it's not all right to like draw on someone's shirt it's not all right to like uh, kick someone who's annoying you you know you're nine years old so it's that balance between being having their back and also setting a boundary and letting them know that some behavior is not okay but even though some behavior is not okay it doesn't make them a bad person it doesn't make them a failure at life mm. and to have the joy of having that level of insight actually to know that that email triggered that in you is oh, yeah. difficult and it would be really easy for you to just go and you know, react and shout at him and say what have you done this time it sounds like it was rained in though, but you it was rained in, it was still there. But, but yeah. But it's now become sounds like a really nice learning for Torin because you've gone back and you're saying to him, Mummy's human, mummy has feelings oh, yeah. too. My boys are well aware I'm human. So in those worst parenting moments when you're feeling mm. a bit like a failure, if you could mm. depict that in a cartoon or an image, what would that look like? Do you know what? I was dancing, Fortnite dances with said nine-year-old the other day. We try and dance together because we both love that. And he loves Fortnite. So I'm learning how to do all the, what you call, what do you call them? I don't know. You, there's a name for the dancers. Anyway, and She-Hulk came on and Torrance started laughing, going, Mom, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, She-Hulk. Yeah, does what it says on the tin. And that I have to confess that we've managed to avoid Fortnite. So what does she hug look like? <laughs> and there might be other listeners. What, what does... Well, if you just uh, just imagine Hulk. You right. Know Hulk. Oh, she Hulk. Okay. She Hulk. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Hulk. So Hulk, imagine what might marry Hulk, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> sister. So she, she Hulk. So basically, you know, mm-hmm. ripping off clothes, very strong, but angry and destructive and reactive. And that's, okay. yeah. So my my son has the insight to pick that character for me. <laughs> he does know you well. <laughs> <laughs> and what would be your warm, loving, positive parent moments? Which are not always necessarily when our children are being well behaved. Um, yeah, but actually, I'd say for me, when I 
think about something I'm really proud of parenting wise and has been really positive is actually homeschool doing English with the boys potentially could have been a disaster and was at moments and certainly at the start but once we got into it oh my goodness me and that's one reason that's one thing that the podcast came out of was rediscovering my creativity at the same time as they discovered theirs and it was just just the most fantastic experience I mean I talk about it so gushily and I think it's like something out of that film with Robin Williams what's the film you're asking the wrong person Uh, (laughs) I've got the worst memory for films oh my god I'm gonna have to google it captain my captain sorry this is annoying for you no it's all good because we can just edit it out or we can leave it in because it's quite funny (laughs) (laughs) other people will be screaming at the podcast going don't you know that film it's it's amazing you have to see it quick interlude here guys guess the film Death Poets Society. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a thing. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that film. <laughs> yes. So it was like my Dead Poets Society moment because um, in that film, if you haven't seen it, Robin Williams is this uber inspirational English teacher and he teaches these boys and they l- become lit up by literature and it's amazing. And I feel like we were being lit up by all this stuff. We didn't do anything the school actually sent us really I just decided because I love English literature and I read it at university that I just uh, read a few of my favorite poems we'd read short stories and I think like one of the great moments was I made Toby read uh, I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud by William Wordsworth and he moaned about it at first and then he read it and I could secretly tell he was enjoying it because he loves nature and then, yeah, he sort of said, that's all right, that's all right. And then the next moment, uh, morning, he came to homeschool and he's like, oh, mum, I've written a poem. Oh, wow. It's, it, it's about being a rain cloud. And I was like, oh, was it possibly because we read that poem yesterday? No. But I read this poem and I was like, oh, Toby, that's so beautiful. And he is a great writer. and He's got a great imagination. He's also incredibly silly. So I would be getting a bit intense and serious about what each line meant. And he would just stand on his head, say something ridiculous and then say something insightful and remind me that, you know, it's it's meant to be enjoyed all this creativity. And we ended up having just really good time. We wrote scripts and of course he was convinced his is going to go off to Hollywood and get bought the sort of the optimism and the 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 joy that he has in it and confidence and the lack of imposter syndrome was just so inspiring and then he saw me doing all this research on podcasts and then came to homeschool and went right this week in the homeschool we're going to do a podcast I'm going to do a whole podcast because I've been watching your videos too and I've already written the first episode and it's going to be cool and he got there first he launched his podcast and first. he's called, he's launched doesn't he <laughs> called, uh, bloodthirsty battles it's very good I'm obviously biased but I we'll think put it it's in the show really notes <laughs> bloodthirsty battles you can get it on spotify and yeah he loves history so he decided to do sort of a horrible history style podcast and I think that has to be like listening to that we put it on in Spotify in the kitchen while we're eating dinner Toby's like covering his ears going I hate hearing myself which is horrible because I hate that too Mm. but the rest of us were like oh my goodness Toby you're on Spotify this is so exciting this is so exciting and that was definitely that's like my heart felt like it was gonna crack moment 
Oh, you are allowed to be gushy about that. That's that's very special. And a positive, I guess, that came out of homeschooling. Yeah, so, but I want wh- to caveat also by saying that that's like, that could sound really smug from me. And I really want to say that it did not at all come from me pushing him or putting my expectations on him or anything. It was, I take no, no, no credit for his podcast. All he did was actually he's very competitive so his main driver was he wanted to launch before me which was very pleased that he did but it all came from him so it's not me saying oh look I'm such an amazing mum my son did this not at all you're allowed to talk about that with pride and you're allowed to be proud yeah and do. in that moment then when you know your sons are reading Wordsworth and writing their own poems what would that image be for you see I'm not sure about that because what I thought about was I think the cartoon bit really speaks to me when I'm having when I'm in a good parenting place is actually Elsa from Frozen you know when she sings let it go yes so I love that because I love that music really helps shift my mood and it really helps with my nine-year-old so we do that's why we do like dancing and listening to music a lot together and I think with the Elsa let it go that's such a uplifting song and it's such a confident song and I love how she just says let it go and leave behind that perfect good girl and it's just really speaks to me because when I'm in a good place I'm not worrying about people pleasing other people's expectations I'm letting all that go and I'm just like stepping into being confident in what I'm doing at that moment and not worrying about everything else and I actually got a bracelet with let it go on that I've lost I've just realized that because it would remind me of that whole image and and letting things go that don't matter and not reacting to everything so that for me is the good one Oh, that's lovely. And it links into the, what we're talking about, being flexible with your sense of yourself. And as a parent, we really are at our best when we're not feeling judged or expectations or places to be, timing to watch. We can just be with our kids. And amongst all the stress, there were, I guess, more opportunities for that in homeschooling because you were oh yeah absolutely I mean I Um, absolutely am in the privileged few I realized that that was furloughed from work had time and totally embraced that and didn't have to rush them all around the place (laughs) so are you you signing up for homeschooling or (laughs) back to back to school now Mm, well it is back to school my my uh, 12 year old Toby's just gone to high school and I I do profess to be totally mixed feelings about this because I know he's got to grow up and he can't always stand on his head and pretend he's a rain rain cloud but I do see what the brilliant fantastic Sir Ken Robinson referred to I don't know if you've um, seen his TED talk and if your listeners haven't oh my goodness me it's the most watched TED talk and it's like 20 years old called something like our school's killing creativity he's just passed away and I was so sad about that because his work has really influenced me but he talks about yeah this idea that school can crush creativity and I can almost see that already with Toby and it's really sad. So it has crossed my mind to homeschool, but I don't think that would do my sanity any good. <laughs> a difficult balance. Yeah, there's your sanity and there's a social side of it. But yes, there is a mission there, isn't there, too? I have an idea. We'll have yeah, to discuss I'm it. Sure you podcast. 
<laughs> I'm sure you do. I, I think I've heard other parents talking about that homeschooling period and I certainly got to the point where I ditched what the school was giving me and just did, did our own thing. Restyled, yeah. Yeah, and realised that you can make it fun. But then it's it's a whole other topic because it's hard mm. when you've got a big school and you've got hundreds of pupils. But we've touched on what we need to talk more about. But I'd like to come back to that about what do we need to talk more about particularly for you in terms of becoming parents and how that can impact on our kind of sense of identity what do we need to talk about more I think a lot of people are starting to do it and brilliant things like your podcast are starting to do it but we need to be more honest so people like me I mean I was it's 12 years ago now but I really didn't get an honest idea of what it's going to be like and my expectations were so high and not realistic and it would have been really valuable if if I'd had on my radar that things wouldn't go perfectly and that's okay obviously being in hospital is not great and it caused a lot of problems at the time but I look back on that time and I sort of even that time I sort of think it was transformative and I think we just need to have a better relationship with rubbish experiences and not not turn away from them so much because me kicking my feet and turning away from the experience and resisting it, you know, what you resist persists and all of that, that made it a million times worse. Whereas if I just relaxed a bit and gone, do you know what? So many people go through this. And I, I had so many messages after I self-published my book from people who knew me at that period saying, oh, I was going through something similar, but I couldn't say anything. We were going to these ridiculous coffee mornings where I was blatantly falling apart and nobody could talk to me I was like a leper in the room because I think they were scared Mm. because they felt it inside and they were worried they'd catch it even more if they actually sat down and talked to me there's only Mm. one girl in my NCT group that really talked to me honestly and she'd had a breakdown before so she could and it was incredibly difficult for everybody else and I think it's because we're in this whole ridiculous charade of oh we've all got to pretend we're really perfect and they all had their designer clothes on and their makeup and looking amazing but beneath the facade you you know all the tales are coming out now there was you know divorces happening and there was uh, family fallouts happening and there was lack of bonding with children all these things that sipping tea at an NCT morning you would never know where never happening. know yeah because we shy away, we do not want to talk about the pain and the rubbish stuff. So we need to talk more about that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's finding forums to do that. Yeah, and I think people. I was really desperate to, I don't know, be liked, have lots of friends at that point in my life. And ironically, then having severe postnatal depression really strips you of a lot of that. I even had a charity called Homestart who were great and they used to send me a befriender once a week because they were worried about me being lonely that's how bad it was I'm a really extrovert outgoing party loving person so that was pretty bad to get to that point and I think what I've realized now is you don't need to have lots and lots of friends I've got like 700 friends on Facebook I mean they're not really friends obviously check you <laughs> with your 700 like, friends <laughs> I know that, that actually sounded ridiculously like uh, I'm showing off my point to that no, is actually, it is. of 
course I don't have 700 friends I actually probably have a handful of friends that I could just that really have me and that I am so happy with that now I'm so happy with a few friends that I can absolutely trust rather than I'd say in my 20s I was all about the big parties and the numbers and the like you know big events and obviously in COVID we can't do that now so it's quite handy timing but now I'm just so happy to know who my friends are. I'd like to come to that moment where I'd like to ask you about one of your truth book confessions and maybe this is Ah. one of those moments that you've learned from (laughs) Mm -hmm. but what would be your truth book confession for us? I remember, yeah, I know what my moment is. Toby, my 12-year-old, turned around to me recently and said, Mum, are there really CCTVs all over our house? And I was like, and he said, you told us that for years, and I've just realised that you haven't said it for a while. It's not true, is it? And it was really like a Santa Claus moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I realised that actually... That was quite a bad thing to say. I said it for you. <laughs> I said, boys, I'm going to look at the film, you know, when they're fighting and they wouldn't tell me what happened. I'd be like, Phil, shall we look at the CCTV footage tonight and see? But boys, before we look at the CCTV footage, is there anything you would like to say? And brilliant. it was brilliant. That is yeah. brilliant. That is brilliant until you got found out. <laughs> yeah. But- and he looked at me with such like hurt when I said, no, I'm sorry, I made that up because I thought it might help you and your brother actually tell the truth about what happened. And he just gave me this disdainful look and he was just like, Mum. Oh. So disappointed, Mum. That is a, yeah, the, the so many lies, Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, but the CCTV gun, it, it worked. You yeah, weren't tempted was, to like put up little fake boxes and say, no, really. We were, we were, <laughs> yeah. but we just didn't get around to it. We, oh. we were. But I remember hearing yours about putting your um, teaspoon in Nutella and all that. I do that regularly. I just feel <laughs> like something to be embarrassed about. <laughs> my, my kids hide the Nutella so that I don't do that. And quite often I'll like have Nutella all around my face because there's just nothing quite like a hit of Nutella. And then, yeah, the, the other embarrassing things that I do is we live right next to a forest I don't know if this is embarrassing actually but I regularly go walking just talk to myself and I regular and now I don't even care if people see me because I just think oh they'll just think I'm on my mobile phone or something but if something's troubling me I'll literally go and walk and just talk to myself for like half an hour and actually the science behind that helping it's a bit like journaling too so you get through all the subconscious stuff and you work problems out my friend has just published a book called, I think it's for the love of trees, all about this oh. <laughs> and what we get from trees. And it's amazing. And quite often I will hug trees too. Not in a, like, I wouldn't say I'm a tree hugger kind of person, but I have heard that it's really good for you. So I will like feel the bark because it's a really mindful thing to do. Like you feel the bark of a tree. Did you know that the CCTV cameras in the forests? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well so if we see you walking through the woods chatting to yourself and hugging a tree don't avoid you go and join you and have a conversation with yourself if you're the kind of person that's up for doing that then you so can join me well one day when we're back in scotland i will come and join you for a a walk through you know what i will keep you to that i will keep you to that now you've said that 
Brilliant. Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, Catherine. And I've used the word enjoy, but I think because of being inspired, you've struck a chord with me with a lot of things that you've talk, talked about openly. And I also wish you so much luck with your podcast. Thank um, you so And it will much. be in the show notes. So thank you very much for coming on Truth Fixes, Susie. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Help me grow the Truthbook community. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and subscribe for more episodes. Or even better, come on Truthbook. Your story of how you've navigated family life will inspire and become part of someone else's family survival guide.